Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode 158. This episode is brought to you by the Homeschool Mom Collective. If you are a new homeschooler and you've ever wondered to yourself, okay, I wonder what I should be doing this month in my homeschool to keep me on track, then that's exactly why I created the Homeschool Mom Collective. I wanted to find and be that support group for you that will help just give you the perfect amount of structure, but not overwhelm you with what to do each month in your homeschool. So some months of the year, we're working on planning, other months, We're working on some of our housekeeping so that once school starts up again, our home is in order, our meal planning, we work on things like chores, we talk about how to choose curriculum. It's all the things that homeschool moms are dealing with. So I want to invite you into the Homeschool Mom Collective. You can save 25% when you use the coupon code SAVE25. I will put a link in the show notes or you can find us at 41more.com forward slash membership. Welcome to episode 158. As always, you can find the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 158. So in this episode, I thought I'd talk about the many flavors of homeschooling. You know, homeschooling is kind of like that ice cream that when you guys go out and get it, you know, you can do so many different combinations. You can have a sugar cone or you can have a waffle cone or you can have it in a cup and then you could mix different flavors of ice cream and you can have different toppings and your homeschool might be a totally different concoction than your friend's homeschool. And that is where the flavors and styles and methods are really fun to learn about. And it's really great to figure out what's a good fit for your family in this season. So this episode is for those of you who, you know, you've heard of all these different words and methods thrown around on the internet or in homeschooling circles. And you're kind of like, okay, what do they mean? You know, what's the most important thing I need to know about each one? What kind of curriculum fits each style? And how do I figure out what is the best method for me and my kids right now? That's what this episode is all about. So the first thing I want to talk about is flexibility. Before we get into specifics, let's talk about being flexible. The best thing about homeschooling is that you can change things up if it's not working. So you might even decide on a style and a method that fits you guys right now, this year with the ages of your kids, your life situation, you may find a really great fit, but in a few years, things might change. Your kids are going to be at different stages. You might have different challenges. You might have more kids. You might have less kids, like, you know, whatever it is, the point being you need to be flexible. So just because you kind of like a certain style right now, doesn't mean you're stuck with it. And it doesn't mean it will work beautifully for you forever. So I think as we homeschool, we need to be just super flexible in the way we approach it. And that's why I love homeschooling, you know, in a traditional school, there is no flexibility, there is a one size fits all and you better fit into the standardized box or it's your oh, well, you know, too bad for you. But when we homeschool, we can be flexible. 
flexible. The other thing, and I've touched on this already, but I'll just say it again, is the seasonality of styles. Now, this does not mean in the fall you're one style, in the spring you're another style. I mean the seasons of homeschooling. So now that I am about to graduate my second And then next year, I'm graduating my third. I only have five kids. So I am quickly, my homeschool is quickly shrinking. Just a couple years ago, I had five kids in my homeschool. And now we have four. We're going to three. I mean, we are changing every year and we're getting smaller. So I am walking through different seasons. And I can tell you with a ton of uh, high schoolers, it's a lot different than it was 10 years ago when I had four little boys who all needed to learn how to read and they all, you know, were so active and I had to be with them and, you know, directing them and, you know, keeping them busy and that kind of thing. So it's a lot different as you walk through different seasons. And I think, you know, your homeschool style might change a bit. So I want you to realize that. And then, you know, it's important to know your style. Just because your friend loves a certain method and it works for her, she's not the same personality as you. Her kids are not the same. You have to take into account so many factors. And so don't just assume something will fit for you because, you know, your favorite blogger does it or your friend does it or, you know, some you read a book about it. So this must be the best thing for you. It might work, but it might not. And so I want you to take all of these things into account when you figure out which homeschooling method is great for you. Now, we had Kathy Duffy on the podcast back on episode 116, and Kathy runs the site Kathy Duffy Reviews, where she reviews homeschool curriculum and she gives you an insight into which methods and styles it would work for. You can read it up and her reviews and just kind of get a better glimpse of stuff before you actually buy it. And so we talked to Kathy about how do you go about choosing homeschool curriculum and how do you figure out what style is right for you? And she has some quizzes on her site, which will also help narrow it down for you. So I will link to Kathy's site in the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 158. Now, this is just going to be a general overview of each of the major homeschooling methods, but I do want you to know that I created a 20-page, I guess it's an ebook because it's 20 pages, The Essential Guide to Homeschool Methods, where I give a rundown of each one, what's the educational philosophy behind it, and then I link to curriculum that fits that method. I give you some pages for planning out your own homeschool priorities and which style fits for you. So if you want to have all of this information in a handy PDF form, you can download it in the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 158. So this episode is just a general overview of that guide and the methods we talk about. So let's jump into some of the most popular homeschooling methods. And I'm going to start with the traditional method. This method, you know, it can get a bad rap because it sounds like traditional school. It's usually textbook based. Your child might even watch online videos from a teacher, you know, on a site to learn the content. And it's very much what you're used to in, say, a public school setting. You know, you don't have to do lesson planning because the scope and sequence is done for you. And many families do start with this method when they're brand new homeschoolers because it is familiar and you get school in a box from a curriculum company. 
company, right? So you'll say, okay, my kid is in fourth grade, send me fourth grade in a box and they'll send you everything you need. It can be a bit pricey because of that. Um, but once again, it's kind of like this hand holding, you know, I'm going to help you through this first year and it's okay. And if this works for your family and your kids aren't burnout and you're not burnout and you have the money for the curriculum, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with any of these styles. But I'm just going to say that a lot of homeschoolers, once they gain confidence, they do end up moving away from this approach because they realize, hey, I have a lot more freedom available to me. I don't need to be tied down to worksheets and curriculum and, you know, these lessons that are made for me. We really can, you know, explore a bit and help our kids figure out their passions and, you know, just change a bit. Now, sometimes you're going to, you're going to keep the traditional method going in certain subject areas. So in my homeschool, um, our math is still very traditional. And so, you know, you just might find, okay, we like this subject in a very traditional way. And then the other subjects we're going to, you know, change up a bit. But the traditional method is simply what you know from school. It's the textbooks, it's the lessons, taking quizzes and tests. It's very much, you know, what most of us grew up with. And this philosophy you know, places children at a certain grade level. So you have fifth grade, you have third grade, you have eighth grade. It's very much you fit in this box. And so that's one thing that a lot of homeschool families don't want to necessarily keep going with after several years. The other challenge is your child may end up hating school and not loving the learning process because it's kind of dry and boring. It can be. Now, there are some kids, I was one of them, that absolutely love filling out worksheets in elementary school. So I could have sat and filled out worksheets all day and I would have been happy. But not every kid is like that, I understand. And not every child's learning style is going to work with this traditional approach. So just realize that it's not as easy to customize. It's a little bit more just out of the box. Now, again, it's not a terrible methodology. Many people use it, but my recommendation would be to take it one year at a time. If you want to start this way, don't think, okay, I'm going to do this forever. See if you like it. There is comfort in this all-in-one box homeschool curriculum, but give yourself permission to learn about the other methods and maybe even branch out later if you find a different way that fits your family better. So some of the reputable curriculum companies that use this method would be BJU Press, Abeka, Alpha Omega, SchoolhouseTeachers.com, Time for Learning, Liberty Online Academy, Oak Meadow, Sparks Academy, and I've linked all of them in the ebook that you can get for free in the show notes. So that's the first approach, the traditional approach to homeschooling. The second homeschool method I wanted to bring up is the Charlotte Mason approach. Now, Charlotte Mason was a 19th century British educator, and her philosophy remains very popular in homeschool circles. You may know her best for advocating for the use of living books rather than what she called twaddle. She thought kids should spend a lot of time in the natural world with nature studies, um, also learning music and art and poetry. And so let's start with talking a little bit about her educational philosophy. Um, What are living books? Some of you, if you're new to the homeschool circles, you may not have heard this term before. But the easiest way to describe living books is to say that they are not textbooks. You know, most textbooks are dry and dull and are written by this, you know, group of editors that, you know, may or may not be super interested in the subject. They're just presenting information. Now, compare that to 
a book about birds written by a birder who is absolutely enamored with birds. There's beautiful illustrations and pictures and interesting tidbits and you know, the passion of the author comes right through. So that would be a living book versus a textbook. And most kids, most adults would rather read a living book than a textbook. And so Charlotte Mason approach is big on living books, but it also emphasizes things like short lessons, the use of narration as a tool of assessment and teaching instead of piles of worksheets. We've talked a lot about that um, on the podcast recently, and I'll put some links to more information about narration in the show notes. Um, you know, narration is simply when the student is telling back what they've learned from the book. So that way you're having a dialogue with your child. Charlotte Mason is famous for saying education is an atmosphere, a discipline, and a life. And she also said an observant child should be put in the way of things worth observing. So there are some really great books to help you learn more about Charlotte Mason's method, um, first of which is Charlotte Mason's original education series, which is called Home Education. You can find it on Amazon. Or um, there's a Charlotte Mason Companion or also more Charlotte Mason, a homeschooling how-to manual. I will link to all these as well. So curriculum publishers that would be in a Charlotte Mason flavor would be Ambleside Online, Five in a Row, Sunlight, and Tapestry of Grace. I would say the Charlotte Mason approach really um, encourages that natural curiosity and love of learning. Your kids are in nature. They're learning, you know, the beautiful things of like music and art and poetry. And it's just a beautiful way to educate, especially in the younger elementary years. Now, the next method we're going to talk about is classical. And classical education does share a lot of aspects with Charlotte Mason, and some people find themselves a blend of both. So classical educational philosophy at its core, it looks at a child's education in three distinct stages, each with their own goals and expectations. And these three stages of learning are called the trivium. They would be the grammar stage. That would be K through six when your student's really memorizing tons of information and facts and all the content areas. And they do this through songs and rhymes and things like that. So they're really heavy on memorization. The next stage is grades seven through nine is called the logic or the dialectic stage. And now, you know, middle school years is when your kids really want to start figuring out the logic behind arguments. I have found when I give my middle schoolers logical fallacies book to re- books to read, I kind of regret it because then they find all the logical fallacies in what I say to them. And they're like, wait a second. I saw this in this book. I know this is actually a logical fallacy. So it's kind of funny that students in middle school really are ready to begin reasoning and figuring out the logic behind arguments. They're not just content to memorize information anymore. They need to know why, and they're needing to, to understand that. And then in grades 10 through 12, which is kind of the high school years, we move on to the rhetoric stage. And this is where students are encouraged to become independent in their reasoning and their argumentation. And so you do a lot with effective writing and persuasive oral communication. So a classical education emphasizes the great books. It really has a big focus on history and language. And this is where many classical homeschoolers also include Latin studies. 
The best book I've ever read to explain this approach is The Well-Trained Mind, um, A Guide to Classical Education at Home by Jesse Wise and Susan Wise Bauer. So I will link to that in the show notes. You can also listen to episode 65 of the podcast where we talked with Robert Bortons, who's the CEO of Classical Conversations. And of course, Classical Conversations is a really large national network of classical homeschool co-ops. So the different curriculum companies that would follow this methodology would be The Well-Trained Mind, Classical Conversations, Veritas Press, Memorial Memoria Press, and My Father's World. All right, let's move on to unit studies. This is a really fun approach because it's hands-on. So if you want hands-on learning and you also want to teach multiple ages together with most of your subjects, um, unit studies are a great way to go. Um, The learning is based around a topic. And so you can adjust the learning goals of each of your child while, while still studying similar content. So here's an example of a unit study. So Unitstudy.com has an Amelia Earhart unit study for kids in grades K through four, and they're going to learn geography and science and history. And I'm sure there's stuff you could add to it if you wanted to do writing. You could add some English things and that you could even do math. I'm sure you could do some calculations of where she flew and how far and all that kind of thing. But you would have engaging lessons with hands-on learning. You'd pull in lots of living books. So it kind of has a Charlotte Mason flair to it. And if you wanted to add some additional research, you could even pull in your older kids in grades five through eight. So in a lessons on this unit study on Amelia Earhart, you might learn about who was Amelia Earhart. And then you'd learn about the science of flying. You'd learn about the different people and places in Amelia's life, lessons to learn from Amelia, and all the different gadgets of flight. So this educational philosophy, you know, helps to provide a joy of discovery for kids because it's not just dry and reading from a textbook. They're really engaged and they're very active. Plus you can use your kids' interests to your advantage. So you can find a unit study on dinosaurs if your kids love dinosaurs and it's going to pull in a whole bunch of content areas, but they're going to be so interested that the that the main topic is dinosaurs. So you can teach multiple content areas with one topic. You can also teach multiple ages together. So the best companies for homeschool curriculum in this approach would be unitstudy.com, five in a row, learning adventures, and Konos. I think the unit study approach can be summed up by this quote from Benjamin Franklin. He said, tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember involve me and I learn. And that's kind of the heart behind the unit study approach. Okay, let's talk about the Montessori method. This one is really um, popular with younger children because it helps them gain independence in the learning process. So in the Montessori method, it focuses a lot on your learning environment and it believes in helping children learn at their own pace. It's named for its founder, Maria Montessori, who began a school in Italy in the early 1900s using this methodology that now bears her name. She said the goal of early childhood education should be to activate the child's own natural desire to learn. 
So the Montessori educational philosophy does believe that children are naturally curious and excited to learn. And so it harnesses those to nurture growth. And so this learning environment is very important to them. They believe in self-directed learning, hands-on experience, collaborative play. This philosophy gives independence and choice to the child because it believes if the child initiates the learning, he's more likely to learn. So this methodology, I would say, would be would be child-centered and hands-on because they want to foster natural independence and curiosity. On episode 75 of the podcast, we chatted with a director of a Montessori preschool to learn how we could use Montessori methodology in our own homeschools. So you can check out that episode if you're interested in that. And there are a few um, places you can find Montessori curriculum, and I will link to them all in the show notes. You'll be able to find them in our essential guide that you can download. So they would be Multisori, Montessori by Mom, Child of the Redwoods, mainly Montessori and Montessori services. And I'll finish up this section with another quote by Maria Montessori. She said, the greatest gifts we can give our children are the roots of responsibility and the wings of independence. Now, I'm going to mention Waldorf education. I don't think it's as popular in the homeschool circles, maybe the ones I'm around, but And it kind of shares some aspects of other methods, but this methodology began in Europe in the late 19th to early 20th centuries with Rudolf Steiner. And the main tenets of this methodology are they have a holistic liberal arts education. You don't separate subjects from each other. Your goal is to cultivate your child's imagination, follows your child's pace of learning, discourages standardized testing, and the main goal is learning through experience. So your child mainly would be learning through experiences and activities rather than textbooks and worksheets. And some of the curriculum you could look into if you're interested in the Waldorf educational method would be Oak Meadow, Waldorf Essentials, Live Education, Little Oak Learning, Christophorus Homeschool Resources, and Lavender's Blue Homeschool. All right, let's talk about eclectic homeschooling. Now, this one I I have a lot of opinions on because I would call myself an eclectic homeschooler. And even if you use one of the methods you know, to start out, it might not work for you forever and through all stages, but I love the idea of eclectic homeschooling. It's not really a philosophy in itself. It's not a style in itself. It's really a collection or a combination of styles, but it works for most families that try it. And here's why you're going to, you might say, okay, I'm starting out traditional. And then after a while you're like, okay, eh, I could maybe do one subject this way, but I don't want to do everything this way. And so you say, okay, like we have, math is going to still be traditional. But you might love other approaches for other subjects. You might say, I really love the unit study approach for my science and history and art and music. Like you're going to pull from all different methods because there are really great things about each method. And of course, every method has some challenges to it or it might not be a good fit. And so in this way, with eclectic homeschooling, You're able to figure out your kids' learning styles, your homeschool style, you know, the different seasons you're in, what you can handle as a homeschool mom right now, and you craft your own interesting custom homeschool, and it really doesn't fit one style. And so that's what eclectic homeschooling would look like. And so, of course, there is no one specific curriculum because you're going to pick from the approaches you like the best, you're going to pick from the curriculum you like the best, and you're going to just mix it up 
based on your own kids. And so when you're an eclectic homeschooler, you can still purchase done for you lessons and curriculum. You don't have to DIY at all, but you certainly can if you want to. Finally, let's end up here with the method called unschooling. Now, unschooling was popularized in the 1970s by educator John Holt. And he said, I broadly define unschooling as allowing your children as much freedom to explore the world around them in their own ways as you can comfortably bear. Now, a great recommendation for those of you pulling your kids out of public school or traditional school in any way is to unschool at least for a little while. In this way, you're able to gauge your child's learning style. You're allowed to then give them the opportunity to love learning again, helps you kind of work on family relationships before you dive into a certain curriculum or certain method. Now, some families do decide they just want to keep unschooling and they want their kids to have the freedom to pursue anything that interests them. Some of us feel a little more you know, nervous about that thinking, okay, but are they going to work on math? Are they going to actually learn what they need to learn? And so, you know, it kind of depends on your state laws and where you live. Can you document if you need to do a portfolio or something, can you still document the learning? Now, granted, I think children really do like to learn naturally as long as we don't school it out of them. And I think it can be a really wonderful experience, but I think there also needs to be just a level of discipline. If you're going to be an unschooler to make sure your kids really do learn how to read and really do learn the basics that they need to know to be an an educated adult. So this educational philosophy is very much child-led. Unschoolers believe children are born curious and ready to learn, but traditional school squashes that natural learning desire. And I do I do agree with them there. And so John Holt believed that children don't need to be coerced to learn, but they would naturally want to learn if given the freedom. And so as you can probably guess, unschooling has no formal curricula. Instead, the daily schedule and the daily learning follows the child's own pace. It's completely hands-on education for the child and hands-off education by the parent. And so John Holt said, learning is not the product of teaching. Learning is the product of the activity of learners. And I totally agree with him there as well. I mean, the more active your child is in learning, they're going to, they're going to understand stuff. They are going to know it rather than just sitting there and you pouring all the information in their empty head, which is kind of the way the public school system is set up. So I hope this little overview has helped just give you a a tiny bit of insight into the different methods. Maybe one of them resonated with you more than the others, or maybe you find yourself liking the idea of an eclectic approach where you pull from a bunch of different curriculum and ideas and styles. So I definitely want you to head on over to the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 158 and download our free essential guide to homeschooling methods. So you can have this on hand. It has clickable links in there, which will take you to all the curriculum that belongs to each method. So you can do some research and you have all the information you need right there. I hope this brings you clarity as you start to homeschool or continue to homeschool, that you really can craft a unique, customized education for each of your kids. Okay, that's all for now. Thanks for joining us. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling.